All right, I think the recording is going. Welcome to uh, the show, uh, our 108th show, and it'll actually be the last show for a little while because uh, we're going to Scotland, and um, like exactly, um, is my mic going? Yeah, we're going. In, in a, about exactly a week, I'm going to be on the airplane and over, so. Excellent. It's kind of exciting. So excuse me, I'm going to say right now, so excuse me if I pause my screen and mute my mic as we talk about this so I can weep uncontrollably. So in sadness, about, but I'm not going to be about there. About me going? No, about not being there in generally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, just get a plane ticket, man. So. <laughs> and, um, so cool. So let's, um, uh, Vin, you wanted to play a little, little bit of um, the Scottish championships here. Yeah, I got, a, I got a Scottish Powers MSR loaded up, which I thought was really good. Uh, I think we'll listen to just sort of part of our march just as a teaser of what might be in store another, what, two weeks? Just, let's just two? listen to the whole thing. thing. We got time. Sure. Yeah. Let's go let's for see. it.
Well, that was no interesting. Where, so where are we? Two, three weeks from the Worlds? I didn't even look at the calendar. Two weeks? Three weeks? Yeah. It uh, would have been, well, uh, last Saturday would have been one, two, three full weeks before the Worlds. Yeah. So that was second place, I guess. That was second place, I think. Um, I'm trying to remember. St. Lawrence O'Toole, I think, won the drumming, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Inverary had a first and fourth in piping. So another interesting result at the Scottish Championships last week. And was Field Marshal first and second in piping? They were, yes. I think they were they first were. and second in piping, first in ensemble, and like seventh in drumming or something, right? Yeah, something like that. It's interesting, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. I will say this though. So somebody was asking me recently about whether or not the result at the last major would reflect on Field Marshal's chances to win the worlds. And the answer is clearly not, right? I mean clearly yeah. um clearly they're just right back on top again. I think there there's definitely an element of luck involved, you know. Um yeah, like you one one sort of wonky score in the ensemble, and that could have been second place, right? You know, just in terms of the way the math works out. Um, even if they were, you know, the piping was really good, you know. You just sort of get, or a couple of spots down further in drumming, maybe. I don't know, you know. Um, funny thing. Tina asks, why are the judges' sheets so off from each other this year? Um, well, it's. I think there's. It's in, an interesting point. I would say you're definitely onto something. I think it's been the past couple of years, and I think Vin, Vin and I were chatting privately during the performance. I think it has to do with what's called Vin Janowski-itis, <laughs> which is I think people are getting bored with how perfect FM is. Uh, that's what I think, and I and I, I'm I, not. Um, I think you're not too far off there. I think. Yeah, uh, and, and people I are eager for someone else to really start start knocking on the door, and they're sort of maybe that's a little bit of a sort of bias sort of working under under it's the like scene. It's like weird. It's like a weird anti-bias, I think, where <laughs> Field Marshal has just got all their bases covered so well every single time they go out. I think the judges are just dying to find an excuse to go a different direction. I really do. I think that yeah. way. I think that. Um, I think SFU has suffered the same phenomenon at times over the past 20 years as well. You know, like so many of the bases are covered that people get kind of annoyed and they want to see a different band in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they almost like sort of, like, it's so good. Like just, we're just going to give up trying to be that good. And we're just going to like start judging other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, it's like, oh, See, I, I could never get bored. I could never get bored yeah. with, with these top bands just, but it's, I might be an exception to the rule, though, because I'm such a geek and I'm so into pipe band sound and how to get it going so well. So when I, you know, Field Marshall could play the same uh, tunes, which, by the way, they have. They have. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. they sort of have. Maybe. Their MSR was the same MSR they've played, like, for, like, two decades yeah. or something. See, and I'm, I'm like, into it. <laughs> I'm into it. It's like, why do we need to hear different tunes? Like, let's just keep hearing the perfect tunes. You know, I've also yeah. watched Lord of the Rings like 33 times over. <laughs> yeah, you can't just you can't never get tired of it. I mean, I I, mean, I, I, I you know half joking when I say I'm tired, of it, but it's like when you see you come out, Field Marshal just so good. It's like, you know, what more can you take from it after hearing it? You know, for the umpteenth time, um, that good. You know, like what am I learning now at this point? If it if, if you know, especially say you were in Scottish Power and you're sort of still trying to like scratch that ceiling, you know. Um, what can you take from that? Like, how do you like, 
you know, what more can you possibly learn that you're not doing to, to crack that, you know? Um, so that's, that's what I think what part of what makes, you know, pipe bands at the top so exciting is because there, there is always that sort of yearning, you know, to sort of be that good, you know? Um, so it just keeps people moving. Yeah. John, um, John brings up a point. I can't disagree with you more, John. John likes the idea of a premium grade above grade one. I actually really don't like that idea. And I'll tell you why. I don't like that idea because, um, uh, because the mighty, the mighty can fall and people need the opportunity to do that. If anything, I would say that a premium grade above grade one already exists. Uh, mm -hmm. because grade two is at such a high level. If you listen to grade, the top bands in grade two right now, they would be competitive with bands that were winning the worlds 15 or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, not necessarily better, but they'd be competitive. Um, and I think, I think what's naturally happened with the grading system, we our top bands are at the top. And, yeah, I mean – you know, it's it's just it's just kind of weird, right? It's like, um, and then how do you get into that premier grade? Yeah, and, and I think and I think that the variety that exists in the grade one, you know, as it is with everybody that reaches that level of quality to be considered a grade one band, you know, the variety is pretty interesting, and I think it offers a lot of opportunity for that variety to bounce off each other and and really sort of the the the, the most quality or the best sort of music to really sort of come to the surface, you know. With, you know, so you make constantly making those comparisons, constantly an opportunity to try things and maybe, you know, sort of compare yourself. And, and I think that just offers a lot of opportunity that wouldn't exist if you had a premier grade. So what are you what are you trying to do? You want to make the best, you know, the sort of if, what were you were what if you were in the sub premier grade, <laughs> you know, in grade one and you were winning? You know, what did that what does that really mean? You know, um, have you had a chance to sort of, you know, bounce your level of quality off of the best? You haven't. But now you do. Right now you do. So then why? See, I don't understand this. And then the no hopers in grade one should be moved down. Well, they are regularly moved down, right, by the RSPBA and other associations. And then Lynn says we should split them. We should split grade two in two parts. Not necessarily. I think there's a good organic system <clears throat> that already exists, especially in the RSPBA. Uh, I think there is def there's definitively an issue an international grade level standard issue that could possibly be addressed in my opinion, you know, like uh, the fact that, you know, grade levels uh, in Scotland are different in overall mm -hmm. level of play than they might be here. Um, yeah. I mean, there's been, you know, circumstances in the past where they move up a band um, only to downgrade them again the next, the following year, you know, or the, maybe the following second year after, you know, where, so and they're not playing marketably different, you know, they're, they're, they're playing is still kind of the same, so, but they were upgraded and now they're downgraded and it's like, you know, and then fans rarely survive that kind of uh, tumult, you know, especially in Scotland, it's like then fans break up and then they move, people move on. And, well, that's just it. So, that's just yeah. it too. I mean, it would be one, like, it would be one thing in tennis and it's a different thing in the solos. For example, there is a premier grade in the solos, as uh, Lynn was pointing out. Um, and in solos, it makes more sense, and largely because there's never going to be a huge ebb and flow in quality of a soloist, and, unless there's some sort of injury or something involved. Whereas in pipe bands, uh, as pipe bands have proved over and over and over again, with the one exception of, uh, well, maybe uh, the exception of Field Marshal and then maybe SFU, but then other than those two bands, 
Uh, there have been huge ebb, huge yeah. ebbs and flows of quality level over the years, um, and you know that's the name well, of the we, game. We, that's we, what makes they're it huge fun. relatively only because you know you know when you're in the top six for a while and then suddenly you're not. That's a big shift, right? That's a huge jump, even yeah. though you might be seventh, <laughs> you know, which you know a lot of bands would kill for. But it's a you know that's a big jump, you know, for that band, you know, for those kinds of, at that level. And um, then meanwhile. Let's go back to Dalco, Triumph Street, having won the Seattle Games this past weekend. Now, uh, Dalco would definitively, at this stage, not probably be in this premier pipe band grade, would they? I mean, no, they, they've, they've never cracked the top six, but um, don't they deserve a chance to gun for the top six this year and to take out yeah. some of these top bands? Which, right. in, which in the world of a premium grade one, Triumph Street would not have the opportunity to do that. And sure, maybe right. they would get upgraded to the premium grade, but then what if they had personnel changes? Exactly. And, and you know, and, and it complicates matters elsewhere in the world as well. Like, you know, if, you know, you have an SFU and Delco competing against each other at all these local games, you know, what does that say? If there's a premier grade and they're in that grade and then Delco's not and they're constantly competing against each other, you know, and then Delco wins, you know, at Seattle. And then, and then, then what happens, you know, like it's all like, Great drama, you know. Okay. So anyway, that's why I can't disagree more. Not because it's not an interesting topic of discussion, but because uh, there's nothing wrong with with the the way that it is at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah. Which and I think the uh, more the merrier, you know. If the more grade ones bands you could fit in there, the better it is for everybody, you know. I think better it is for bagpipe bands generally, and people out there who want to play in bagpipe bands. Yeah. So they have shrunk. Bruce brings up a great point. They have shrunk the size of the qualifying. Um, you know, of the final at the Worlds. I think they're mm -hmm. naturally doing it. I think the expanded qualifier, I'm a huge, huge fan of the expanded qualifier. I think it's great. As a member of a grade one band who will arguably have a difficult time qualifying, right, I'm totally happy with this arrangement. I get a chance to play an MSR and a medley against the top bands in the world, and that if it's good enough, I'm going to get through. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, you know. Again, the only issue I could see, um, the only issue I could see from an international grade one pipe band perspective would be, you know, are there any, are there any international organization, organizational things we could do to improve the level, you know, the yeah. The I mean, it's, it's example, logistics. Like, you know, again, it's a, it becomes like you have it now. You have a two-day event, and that becomes a strain maybe sometimes. Um, so yeah. it's it's more of that kind of stuff that. So the big thing too is the big thing too. I think there needs to be a seeding, a seeding system, like there would be in say NCAA basketball or something. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a seeding process because uh, the qualifiers need to be uh, balanced, and I think they sort of are. If I'm not mistaken, I think the, yeah. the best bands in the RSPBA are dispersed. Mm -hmm. And then they draw the remainder of the bands yeah. or something well, like they, that. Well, they do the other. They do say they take like the top six and they split up the top six, but not in half. They take it like alternating odds and evens kind of thing. Like first, third, fifth go in one heat, and second, fourth, sixth go in the other heat. That's um, right. So yeah. Lynn, um, so Lynn, that's totally correct. I would I would put the top and bottom bands over here, and then the second place and second to last place band over here. And just sort of work the way in, so you end up with two balanced heats. Now, mm -hmm. granted, I mean it's going to be tough to tell which band has a has a 16 yeah. seed and a 15 seed. But I think if there were some sort of system involved, um, where you know uh, where you were able to seed bands, 
Mm -hmm. I think that would be... I think it could be easily be done. Most bands are active enough where they play at least twice, <laughs> you know, somewhere um, that they could, you know, be sort of seated that way based on either their result or their actual performance or something like that. You know what I would love to see? Here's, here's a way to do this that would be amazing, which would be a huge thing in the world. This is just off the top of my head, but, um, but I've often thought this. I think there should be an internationally recognized standard of video and audio recording uh, bagpipe band competitions. And I think this is uh, an area where I think pipe band associations um, could be in charge of doing this and, ha and, and actually documenting and, and videographing competitions, mm -hmm. but in an internationally recognized standard. Like we've mm -hmm. got to get drone chorus on the phone. <laughs> figure out like exactly like, what is his what is set up yeah what is it what's he got yeah. what's he using and then how far do, you know where do you place the microphones and i think mm -hmm. if we could have especially in the grade one a universally accepted standard for recording mm -hmm. grade one contests then uh, then you could have a committee uh, that actually listens to tape um you know of pipe bands within a certain date range in order to do the seating or something absolutely. like that absolutely i think that would be uh, definitely be workable and it would be yeah. so cool because what do we all really want to hear? I want to mm -hmm. hear exactly how my band stacks up against Field Marshall, but it's actually really hard because Field Marshall gets recorded by Drone Chorus every weekend, and then <laughs> we're getting, and then we're still getting recorded by um, by handhelds. And even if we got our act together and had a good quality, it would still be diff, you know, it'd be different than that setup. There needs to be like a like a playbook. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I think, you know, the sort of the, the sort of preponderance of recordings out there and, and good recordings, not just, um, you know, sort of the cheesy audience type sort of recordings um, have. I, I think I think they just there's if you really stop to think about it, I think they've subtly influenced the level of quality that some of it's produced by some of these bands. You know, I think it, it keeps them on track. It keeps everybody on their toes. Say that um, again. It, it it keeps everybody on track. I think it makes. I think there's a certain level of quality that's been increased because of them. Because it, everybody's sort of constantly hearing what they themselves have produced, as well as what everyone else has produced, on an ongoing basis, like on the fly. So there's never a moment to sort of rest and think or imagine. It's real. It's there. So you have you have some a definite measure. Oh, that stunk. We have to do better than that next time. Or that band was really good. We have to be. We have to be better than that next time, you know, that kind of thing. So I think yeah. it really improves things subtly, even if you really can't measure it. I don't think maybe if you had a whole string of recordings over a period of years, you could measure it. But um, I, I honestly think there's a subtle changes in, in the quality, level of quality produced by every band, not just grade one. I think in a lot of the other grades as well, especially in Scotland. So um, yeah, it can only so be good cool. things to do more of it, you know. Yeah, I could care less, and this is an opinion I, and I, you know, this is an opinion of mine, but I could care less about, um, or, or it's not that I could care less, that's not the right way to say it, uh, but I would much prefer to have a, an association-sponsored uh, recording, um, you know, recording uh, archive mm -hmm. that's done on a consistent basis. Absolutely. I would so much rather have that then um, I would rather have that than workshops that I have to spend a lot of money to go to yep. or, you know, or other, other association sponsored events. Yeah, I mean, and think about the learning opportunity there too. You know, yeah. you know you, every band has walked off the field and every grade saying, you know, you know, sort of disappointed that they didn't win and figuring out why that other band won with all of those mistakes and everything else that they complain about. 
um, if you had the archive and people could actually do that and watch that band, that, that video performance over and over again to really figure out why that band won or why you didn't. And I think that's a real learning opportunity. I think, you know, that we, you know, and we've talked about this before in sort of recording your own playing and things like that. It's, it's the same principle. Um, you just, you're just sort of, you're, you're educating yourself, you know, and, and seeing what moves need to be made to, to improve and make the whole thing better. Um, instead of whining in the beer tent and complaining because you what you thought you heard out there on the field, um, you know the, the video doesn't lie most times. Yeah. Yep, that would be so cool, and I, you know, I think we'll see it someday. I think we'll see it someday soon. But it would be great to hear, you know, even though because uh, North American Grade One pipe band world is and Grade Two is even worse, arguably. But I, we don't see our competition until we get to Scotland, which is so weird. But it's like, you know, um, we actually, Robbie Beaton is from the Albany area, and he's pipe sergeant of 78th Brazers. And uh, we talk pipe band stuff all the time. Uh, and and it's really cool and fun, but um, it would be great to actually hear the two bads side by side. And if you had recording, mm -hmm. uh, if you had recording sort of uh, standards and guidelines, we could come a lot closer to that. Exactly. But, so I, but I digress. So, um, oh, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, and that would and that would help the other grades too, because I'm I'm constantly disappointed that you don't hear like the top bands in grade three or two or any of that. You know, it's great. Yeah, great. Some band from Scotland won grade three A, and it's fantastic. But they have no idea what they sounded like. You know, unless somebody was in the crowd videoing or you were there. You know. So um, Tina asks, how does grade one status and invitation to the worlds get determined? Well, first of all, any grade one band that's sanctioned by the RSPBA is invited to the world. It's like you don't need an invitation. As long as you're in that grade level, you just register. Uh, and then, to, you know, and then this year, I think there were what, 23 bands that registered. And so um, they split them up into two heats. Um, I think the top bands in the RSPBA champion of champions um, at the time of the draw get separated out equally. And then they draw from the remaining bands that's my understanding um so so i think that's how it works i mean they've been changing a lot over the past couple of years which is why i'm not 100 percent certain there um yeah gary wants blind evaluations blind evaluations could work at a lower level but at the higher level um i can pretty much name all yeah. of the <laughs> i can pretty much name all of the grade one bands in the top 10 yeah. just by listening it's to funny them. the way that works you know even if they were playing the same tunes yeah. you probably could do it you know probably yeah you could just tell by you know pipe pipe sound uh general technique level style of expression mm -hmm. drum core sound and style um you can usually figure it out yeah. every now and then you're wrong though and it's surprising especially early in the season but so blind evaluations i think that's over complicating it yeah I don't think, I mean, there's not really much to do to overthink it. I think everybody wants something better, obviously, but um, I don't. no one really sort of talks about really what's wrong with what's there. And then the RSPBA has been addressing this stuff, and that's why you have now two days of events and a qualifying round with all the bands playing. And I think they've addressed that kind of stuff that, has, that people have complained about in the past, you know. Um, yeah. You don't nearly need to do much different. It's like I said, it's more logistics, more um, you know, just management of the event that, sort of can be improved more over than, than sort of, you know, 
grouping bands and actual competition. You know, I think the event is what it is. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. So Bruce, um, yeah, to clarify, I was I would never suggest that an actual pipe band competition is judged later in the video room. I'm only saying that if we had an international video standard for pipe bands, uh, we could use it for stuff like seating, the world's yes. draw. And then even even keeping like a monthly world pipe band rankings, that would be so much fun, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be cool. Well, we could know, start running, we could start a mini gambling site in the proper states, you know, uh, where things, right. such things are allowed. <laughs> well, we'll put up a server in the middle of the Atlantic and then we'll decide. <laughs> Uh, be funny. But, uh, yeah, kind of like yeah. um, they have a world golf ranking somehow. Um, yeah, I yeah. You, I mean, uh, and there's there's that kind of stuff you can you can put money on anything these days. And I think there is that kind of ranking when it comes to any kind of major sport. Um, yeah. People are always ranked, and you always have figures that back up performance. You know, um, and I think uh, I don't know music. This is that now now we're sort of sportifying pipe band competitions. I don't know. Well, I've always been. I know I've been a proponent of going the other way and actually sort of you know. Artifying it more than, than sportifying it or something. Eh. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think piping is so cool because it's it's such a um, an intense hybrid of art, yeah, you know, yeah. um, artistic stuff and uh, sports stuff. It's Actually. so funny because because when we go to the games, we're like, oh, we're gonna beat that band today. You never go to the games. You never go to the games saying, "Man, I, I hope we get that great subtlety and light and shade in my stress bay today." <laughs> exactly. You know. I, I really hope I emote in my performance effectively <laughs> today. Yeah, so before we uh, get totally off track, so the world is coming up, and um, and we should talk about what goes on at the worlds, um, which. One of the big things is piping live leading up to the world. Piping live. This is where I pause my screen to weep because it's it's bigger and better every year. It seems. What's that? Um, Have you heard anything about what's going down this year? Yeah, I was I was looking at the the program. Let me find the link here. Actually, I have okay. the link. You have we'll my support. The link for artists, and then on this new website, this new snazzy website they've got going on this year. Do they? Um, I haven't been can, to it. Yeah, they can get. Uh, you can get the. The venues and all information about events. And there's a program there, PDF of, a, of the program, which sounds really cool. They've got a lot of stuff going on at the Piping Center this year. It seems like because I think George Square is still under renovation. I don't understand. Because uh, uh, there's sure. nothing. Yeah, I, I think because so they, Yeah, because uh, so there's it's like scattered all over the city in various places, and the typical pipe band performances at George Square's now are little parades that play in different spots throughout the city. Um, so, and then the piping center is doing a lot of talks. They do a lot of like sort of, you know, sort of geeky piping scholarly stuff. And then your naturally your recitals and whatnot. So, yeah, really cool. um, I have this problem, Vin, and you might be able to relate to me. And I know um, Carl has it as well. And Erica has it as well, which is I can't actually look at websites like this ever, especially not in July or August, because I'll just end up daydreaming about the world instead of getting work done. Well, exactly. That's what I'm doing. See, I already have my crying fit before the show, so I was looking at the website, you know, so I'm good now. I can't, yeah, I can't do it. 
it's too much for me. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's so cool. It's just like, because you, you, mainly, especially if you're over there with a band, one of the hardest things ever is to, is to be there while, while all this stuff is going on, and you just can't participate because it's like you're working, you know, that's your, you're practicing and that thing's going on. And if they're lucky enough to be a part of it, you know, like I think Stuart Highlanders is playing like Monday. Yes. Right. You're doing a little parade and doing a little thing on Monday in various spots. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you got, you're busy, you know, if you're in it and you're practicing and working and competing and it's, it's hard to go out and see Angus McCall on a Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> you know, at noon. So. That's right. Yeah. So is anyone in the audience today going over? We have 31 people here with us today. Anybody headed over to Scotland this year for the Worlds and Piping Live and stuff? And I, I will say one of the saddest developments that I read about recently in Glasgow is the sort of decline and demise of the chip places around the city. It's, it's very it's very sad. They've been sort of slowly being replaced by all these like convenience shops and sandwich shops and all these other things. Oh, that, no. So, Tell yeah. me the best kebabs. The best kebabs still there, right? I, that I don't know, but I know the Blue Lagoon is still there because that's still a Oh, choice it is. Spot. I thought you were about to say the Blue Lagoon is gone. No, no. I think the Blue Lagoon is still there. So, yeah, I was reading about that lately, and I was like, oh, no. This is this is horrible. <laughs> but the Blue Lagoon is still there. Tom is looking for a grant from the dojo to cover all of his costs. Um, <laughs> Tom... Uh, well, it's, I haven't written the check yet, but it is safe to hold your breath. <laughs> uh, and then John says he's going with Saffron United. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and for, you know, for, if these guys have, have gone or go before, I mean, typically what happens is, you know, a lot, especially a lot of overseas bands from Canada and the U.S. stay in Glasgow, mostly, um, at the various university dorms. Uh, I think there are three four, three, four, um, throughout the city that bands sort of swarm in and occupy for the week. Yeah. And uh, it's always pretty cool because bands are practicing out on the grass and um, people are milling about and you just run into people and meet people and um, it's a pretty cool scene. Um, Don, you absolutely should do that. Although I don't know if the grade four band is going next year. We'd have to... We have to uh, check on that and pressure the board to make that happen. It is an expensive proposition for any band, especially one on a different continent. Definitely, it's so worth it, though. I mean, you know, yes. it's so it's so it's worth every penny for me at any grade level. No, I think so. Yeah, there, there really is. I, you know, I do. I try my best to describe to people what it's like. You know, um, pipers and non-pipers alike that have never been and. You know, and every time I go there, I always realize I've failed <laughs> my description because there is no describing it. You know, it's it really are barely the words to really sort of capture like the atmosphere and the overall intensity and just the energy that's there, which is just beyond words, really. I think it's just exciting and inspiring and all that stuff at the same time. Very few things that do that. John asks, are we playing at North Barrick and or Perth? Yes, we're playing at both. So we'll see you there, it sounds like. Or maybe not. Or was that a different show? I would say Colin Kell's going next year. That's cool. Oh, yeah. That's a trip. So is Perth on the Sunday after North Barrick this year? Is that the way it's working? Yeah, yeah. It has to do with... Uh, Perth on the Sunday has to do with when the Worlds is. 
if yeah. the world's is earlier, if the world's is earlier, you have Bridge of Allen on the Sunday, and then this year, it's the third Saturday of August. Perth so is on Perth. the second. Yeah. So every few years, it ends up being Perth instead of Bridge of Allen. Yeah. So. Perth used to be the day after the world's. Years ago, used to have it was always the day after the world's was Perth, and yeah. they stopped doing that a long time ago. It was just too much. Yes, indeed. So um, let's venture on to the next topic, which is, um, did you guys hear remnants of the Seattle games and, uh, and the Triumph Street victory over SFU? Did you check that out? I did. I did check that out. What I were your listen. thoughts? My thoughts were... Um, be nice. Be Don't nice? Don't say anything mean. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say anything mean. I, my thoughts, they, they sort of come down... Uh, on the complaints of what I always complain about when it comes to two band contests, no matter who they are. Yeah, you know, that's always, definitely true. Yeah. And so it's, it's a risk that SFU's always played when they play because they're only playing against Dalco um, anytime they go out. So it's always a risk at that sort of principle of the two band contest, which is always going to mean you're being measured against another band, which is quite possibly only one step away from beating you regardless of what was played. <laughs> that's just, that's just the odds, you know. So, you know, certain you things think, get rewarded over other things. Did um, you think uh, Triumph Street? Um, do you think Triumph Street was better? I do not. However, I will say that I thought I heard a couple of hunkers in SFU's MSR. Um, so I'm, I'm wasn't sure. I went back in here. I mean, it was hard to tell because a lot of background noise. But uh, I think there were a couple of mistakes which could have played into that result. So. Knows. I was um, I was surprised. I will say that um, you know I was surprised at two things. I was surprised that SFU seemed to leave the door open a little bit uh, on all of the recordings that I heard. There were just enough little issues, and it's surprising mm -hmm. because um, because the band is generally so good at Seattle. Um, just in mm -hmm. my own experience with the band. I almost wonder if, you know, maybe in maybe it was super hot and SFU is, of course, preparing for pretty cold when they get to Scotland. That could have been an element. And then the other thing I was surprised at was how good Triumph Street was. Yeah. Uh, they, were they, like, they were uh, they're so notably they were so notably better than uh, I had heard them earlier in the year, like. Huge, huge improvement over yeah. the course. Like, of the and just, and I think it generally, I mean, in terms of, and I think these are the things that separate really good bands from just the simply good bands. Or it's that consistency and that sort of solid performance throughout, the, like from start to finish. You know, and I think that they achieved that. That was like, okay, you know, that, that's that's a that's a real intensity that is hard to get, as every band knows. And uh, when the bands do manage to get it, they they stand out. You know. Um, yeah, the, I mean, and and make no mistake about it. I mean. Uh, SFU is going to be uh, is going to be huge at the Worlds again. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Make no mistake about it. The interesting statistic, of course, about SFU, and I'm sure Dalco will be no exception, or Dalco will be the same would be true. But SFU will practice more between Seattle and when they leave for the Worlds than most Grade One bands practice for an entire year before they leave for the Worlds. Like they're yeah. going to go they're going to go almost every single night. For two weeks now uh, mm -hmm. at SFU, and so um, Seattle's just sort of the beginning. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Uh, so I don't think I don't think Triumph Street beating SFU uh, will reflect on you know the world's results, uh, but 
it certainly reflects that Dalco is very strong right now, and mm -hmm. that um, yeah, and that uh, and there are other things too. I mean, in that typical fashion, you know, what would get rewarded over in Scotland uh, on a, on a performance day than than and you know, I mean, I thought Dalco was pretty slow-ish, you know, compared to say. Overall, you know, and if they were going to measure themselves against some of the other bands, like the Scotch Power, we just heard, you know, that's that's definitely an issue. I think, I mean, as, as good as it could be, I think that kind of intensity needs to be there. You know, maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. I mean, I I, I found the MSR performances from Seattle fascinating because the tempos certainly. I didn't put a metronome to it or anything, but they certainly seemed really slow. But boy, did they have a very very high degree of control. And unison mm -hmm. playing. Yeah, most certainly I do. Yeah. But that's good. Yeah. That's that's what competition's all about, right? Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting I, angle. Yeah. And it could be that they're it could be that they're at those tempos and their plan is to bring them up over the next mm -hmm. few weeks. Which by the way, I'm a huge supporter of that strategy, which is that we don't need to be at full tempo, uh, you know, we don't need to be at full tempo until closer to contest day. Um, and so that could be part of the strategy, or that that could just be the angle, which is we're going to play slow and control, you know, and controlled with great tone and uh, great finger clarity, and that's how we're going to beat some of these other pipe sections, uh, which is I, I think is very interesting. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think I think the bands are really um, at least over the last couple of years are really sort of I don't know making a sincere effort to really sort of crack that. As a field marshal ceiling, you know, um, and I think that it'll happen. But you know, and, and you know, SFU's there. You know, that's a good example. I think you know where you sort of leave the door open a little bit, and there's another band right there waiting to swoop in. You know, that'll happen to field marshal too. It'll be like for some fluke thing. It maybe just you know, whether it's power or boggle or infrared or something like that. Just you know, last year certainly, you know, they came close. But you know, I think one. I think it's definitely true. You know, when. If the Giants leave anything, anything uncovered, the world is ready to pounce on it oh, yeah. and uh, and uh, punish them for it. There's no doubt about that. Which is so cool, by the way. I'm not I'm not saying like watch out, people yeah. are gonna punish you. And punishment's a, a harsh word. You know, it's really about um, you know that's how close everybody is. Yeah, everybody's really close, and it's just a matter of time. You know, um, of pushing the right buttons. You know, <laughs> having everything work in your favor. So Kevin says, would slowing down the tempo hurt you, uh, regardless of clarity and unison? And that's the million-dollar question. It would seem like Dalco is playing the odds there and saying, we're going to be a bit slower, but that's not going to hurt us as much as having great uh, tone and unison and control is going to help us. It sounds like they're going for that angle. At least they were at Seattle, uh, and it seemed to pay off. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, again, yeah, you would think that it's, it's, I don't know, it's like a package, you know, if you don't leave, the, if the bow's untied, you know, does this package still contain the goods, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, because the present's still the same, you're still going to get immense joy out of it, but, oh, that bow wasn't tied, I don't know if I can accept that gift, you know, I don't know, you know, that's, 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 that's one of those questions on pipe banding, I think that. You know, no one's able to answer. We talked about that, right, a couple of weeks ago. You know, like there's just no way to, you know, so you're talking about people and their their own ideas that come into play, and you know, there's just, just no way. Um, actually, I don't uh, think that's, you know. 
folks might not remember this, but we actually had Dave Hilder on the show, who was the pipe major of Dalco mm-hmm. a long, quite a long time ago. Let me see if I can find that and post that link. He was on the chat with us. He couldn't come on the microphone. But, uh, it was just after they um, released their album. Right? I think that we were sort of playing a couple tracks. And, yeah. Um, I don't remember uh, which episode it was. Yeah. And certainly they've, they've got, um, you know, they win the prize for longevity too. You know, like they, they, they've been sort of trying to sort of constantly playing in SFU shadows for so long. Um Still maintaining the membership and quality all along the way, trying to trying to you know reach that level. Um, I think that that's like that's an immensely hard thing to do anywhere, particularly out there, you know, where you're you know you just have limited resources and um, you know pers- personnel and stuff like that. So it's a it's a testament to their efforts really to even come close to SFU. Never mind beat them, you know, in any contest. James says, with lack of pointing in today's piping, slower could certainly hurt you, since faster seems to be one of the criteria for success in the community. Well, that's a very um, that's a very harsh outlook on the world. Uh, I think I think there's more pointing in today's pipe bands yeah. than there has been in a very very long time. And definitely, it's uh, been yeah a trend that's been happening over a period of years where the bands are definitely getting more and more into that sort of. Yeah, and I think I think slightly slower tempos in order to uh, in order to show your degree of pointing could help you, right? It all depends on what sort of sensitivities the particular judging panel has. But you know, um, you know, the top bands are pointing really well. Now, the bands who aren't at the top arguably um, have huge expressive things to address, and a lot of times they try to cover them up by playing faster. I think I think that's part of where the really fast marches and stuff um, mm-hmm. came into play. Yeah, field marshal. Actually, I, I have to I have to take a take a, a you know some more sort of closer look at this. But I think field marshal slowed down over the years. Um, I don't think oh, they've without question. Yeah, yeah. Um, they used to, years ago they were it was like it was like lightning speed. It was ridiculous, and it was still good. <laughs> well, and that is the style, like right? The style's changed quite a yeah. bit. So um, so there you go. If you listen to a band like Inverary, who lately has had more aggressive tempos, but uh, through all of their formative stages, they approached the music very conservative on the tempo side, showed lots of um, <clears throat> lots of two-four march phrasing mm-hmm. <clears throat> and quote-unquote pointing and stuff. So, um, but James, I mean, I certainly see where you're coming from there. I'm just not sure that um, I'm not sure that assertion is. Um, necessarily yeah. the truth. Yeah, we tend we tend to get really overly we get myopic in, in pipe bands, right? We always look at these little things with it, the pointing, or the tuning, and this and that, you know, the tempos and stuff. But it's it is really about a package. You know, the bands have to produce, they have to put all of those things together and create something that's actually, you know, listenable and and have high quality with all of those things in place. And it's not high quality if all those things are not in place. So, you know, taken out of context, out of the package. It really doesn't, you know. Oh well, they're not pointing enough. Well, maybe they're pointing enough for that package, you know. And and it's, you know, everything else is also in place. So maybe they're not pointing as much as some other band, but the package, the overall product they're they're producing is is a higher level than say the other band who didn't point as much or pointed more or something like that. Um, and likewise with all the other details as well. Um, so I mean, people have these rigid. People have rigid tempo. Uh, have rigid tempo obsessions 
And I've never understood that. Oh, you know, just like tell me a tempo and I'll play it. And I'll enjoy it regardless of tempo. Like you can enjoy a march played at 82. I can enjoy a march played at 60. You listen to some of like, you know, some of the soloists, they're playing two, four marches way, way down. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're doing so many interesting things uh, that playing a faster tempo wouldn't allow for. And I've just never been big on that. It's like just pick a tempo and – and the key is the you know steadiness, consistency of tempo is definitely important, but the actual beats per minute has I've never been that obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, it matters more with with just sort of objective measures when you're trying to combine musicians like midsections and snare drums and things like that. So everybody has a reference point at least to know where things should be and how how much effort should go into either playing at that speed or not. You know. Um, but once you have it, it shouldn't be, yeah, it's not like a rigid thing. Um, I'm not sure. I don't even know if, if you know, you, I would imagine that at some point in their sort of practice that field marshal and power and dance like that must take a note of what tempo they're playing at in terms of a number, just so they don't get crazy. Cause it's easy if they're playing, it's easy to sort of maybe move beyond it one way or the other and not realize it too. So, um, Things take hold in a band, I guess, that they wouldn't want to happen if they were sort of shooting for the worlds this close, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, well, there you go. So why don't we venture towards wrapping it up here for today? Um, I thought I had a fun discussion. So uh, yeah. pretty. pretty well, cool. Why don't we spend the next two minutes before we leave? Give give everybody's predictions for the worlds. I don't just winners, man. Just give me the winners. Slot, field marshal, field marshal. Field marshal's so easy. <laughs> yeah. Tina's, Tina's got it. I think this could be Powers year, I think, just in the way things are moving and shifting. If they can hold it together and don't do anything silly, um, I think it could happen. You know? You know, is yeah, always uh, a wild card, but I don't know. I don't think – I mean uh, – and I don't want to be disparaging to anyone, uh, but I, I personally do not think power will win it. I don't think uh, – based on what I've heard so far, I don't think they're quite – Yeah, I, I mean you, 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 know, you look at it objectively like that. You say, oh, no, that won't win. But I, I, I look at it like a, a, and the whole picture. Like they're not, in, they're not in isolation, right? We're not listening to two blind sound tests. We're listening to a band that has – a track record, both bands have track records and a, and, a, and a sort of buzz that goes with them, I think, that plays into that. And we just, we started the show talking about that, right? Judges are so eager for something else to happen, you know, yeah. they might that actually unintentionally it. force it to happen, you know? So, yeah, um, I think that, uh, I don't know. See, I was going SFU, I was going SFU and then um, we'll have to hear that. I'll have to hear that when I get to Scotland and check out a practice yeah it's yeah. always different you know even though we're so close to it it's like you you know those all those bands will come out and they'll sound completely different and they'll be that much better um noticeably so i think everybody seems to rise to the occasion as good as ffm fm were they will be better at the world you know it's it's insane to think about that but it's true every time it definitely is so so there you go um how do you go into a contest thinking someone else will win um, good question. Uh, I think that uh, I'd certainly like to win. 
I'm going to try to win. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, you know, it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, when the 16 seed goes up against the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, there's an yeah. element, there's an element of just being really excited to be there when mm-hmm. you're in that, when you're in that lower seeded position. And tennis is like that too. You know, you get like the you know, 20th seed playing against the second seed and it's like, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, someone would think that that's an imbalanced match, but there's been many occasions where that upset has happened and anything can happen in a match, you know, and this is the same thing in pipe bats, you know, um, you have to do your best shot, you know, you're in the mix, you're there <laughs> and you belong there. So you put your best effort out there. James says, you guys should be beyond that by now. Thank, thank you for that input. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, let's see. Well, that's, and it's the same thing no matter how what contest you're going to. Like, why compete at all, right? If you're going to think of it that way, we can yeah. go down a whole spiral of depression and sort of give up, give up everything we do, <laughs> you know? And uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, maybe we'll win. Maybe. Uh, someone was asking about grade two. So what's who's going to win the grade two? That's a good question. I think I – think, uh, I think Metro has this really good shot of doing really well over there, based on what I've heard in the grade two, in Scotland and in here. Um, grade two is like, it's one of those things, it's just every, all the bands are just sort of trying to get on the cusp of grade one and not quite making it for various reasons, you know? Um, and I think it, it leaves the door open for anybody to come in and take it if they, if they play the cards right, you know? If everything goes well and they're focused and, you know, well, I think tough. there's a variety of bands. There's a variety of bands that seem like they could be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always very interesting. Like Bagad Brieg is going to really throw the piping for a mix. You know, like um, then there's Torficken, um, Bleary, and then you have bands like Portland Metro, who have been yeah. uh, very good Bleary. in the past. Mm-hmm. You've got Bu- uh, you've got Buckin. I, I always Buckin want to call is a very good band. Yeah, and, and but it's, again, it's like typical grade two. They, you know, you hear them one week they're good, and the next week they're, eh, and then you see them again, and then they're really good. You know, so it's like that typical kind of uh, variety that you get. So who knows what'll happen? You know. And then you've got um, St. Thomas alumni who came very close to winning. Uh, grade yeah, are they two going this year? Are they gonna be? They're on the list. Yeah. They're on the list. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of bands here that. I don't, I'm not aware of, but could be excellent as well. So, um, yeah, can Metro win it? I, it would certainly be cool to see a um, USA band win the grade, the grade yeah, two. Definitely. Uh, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's a tall order, though. It is. It definitely order. is. And it's for all of those reasons I just mentioned. Like, it's a, it's a overall sort of a place in the world kind of effect. It's not about isolated performances, you know. Grade two is such a punishing grade. It's so intense because, yeah, like Metro definitely has all the, all everything that would be needed to win grade two. But uh, there's a lot of other bands that are kind of like that. And then you were pointing mm-hmm. out, Vin, it's such a consistency game. And then when mm-hmm. I remember when Oren Moore played in grade two in 2008, we were in a similar position. And, um, you know, the and the French the the baguette bands came over and they they took the top two spots in the piping mm-hmm. and that just that just changes everything they they um they didn't win much in the drumming um which prohibited them 
from winning. I can't remember who won the Worlds that year in grade two. Should be able to, but I can't. I think it might have been Cap Caval that, that won. But anyway, uh, they took the top two spots in piping, which I didn't expect going into it, uh, but they did. And then that threw everything off. And then we got a bad result in the ensemble. Um, and then so we were just inches from winning. Yep. And yep. it's it's so punishing in uh, in the grade two. For sure. For sure. All right. So um, let's call it in. What do you say? It's yeah. been a been a good run here. We'll have a couple of weeks off now, and so we'll be back. I think good August. Good luck 27th. to everyone going over, and good luck to Stuart Highlanders. And I know I'll be up early watching the stream. So. 109th episode airs, uh, I think, August 27th. And I can double check that. Uh, that is correct. Excellent. All right. Take it easy, guys. We'll catch you later. About. All right. Have a good day, all. Enjoy the next two weeks of piping. And uh, we'll see you.